Can a conversation turn into a gray room? It sounds like a nonsensical question, but we have it on good authority that it did in fact happen on November 20th, 1748, and it happened in the spiritual world. Yep, that's the sound of everyone shutting this video off, but for those of you who stayed, we're going to take a journey into just how, at a spiritual level, a concept can be displayed as a color. And beyond that, we're going to look at what the physical properties of colors here can tell us about deeper realities, how and why colors show up in the spiritual world, and how each color can be an enemy or a friend. Because once you've got all that lined up, you can do cool stuff, like read messages in the arrangement of a flower garden in heaven. It's good for the resume. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Swedenborg and Life. Today we're going to be looking at spiritual secrets about colors. And my name is Curtis Childs and I'm going to be your host today. And yeah, we're going to be looking at the spiritual side of these things. Colors, the, 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 these uh, shades that color our world. But how can a color have any kind of spiritual meaning? What are we trying to pull over on you? To make that work, we've got to look at our old friend, Correspondences, which if you're brand new to Swedenborg, this concept is that everything physical that we see around us is uh, relates to or is communicating with or is representing or is displaying something spiritual. Almost like that the spiritual world is the core and the physical world is like a skin on top of it, responding to the things that are going on beneath. So everything we see around us is actually telling us about something deeper. So everything that we see with our senses or experience with our senses can actually give us insight into psychological things, thoughts and feelings, and also the life to come, which Wittenberg say all, all comes from the same plane of reality. So we can look at the colorful things around us in the world and actually learn truths about how this stuff works. And also, they provide this sort of a home for spiritual things as well. And we're going to get into what all that means. But you remember that gray room that I was talking about in the beginning? Uh, that came out of an experience that Swedenborg had where he was in a discussion or witnessing a discussion with a bunch of spirits, which to Swedenborg had become, at this point in his life, a normal occurrence. And the subject material of the conversation was as follows. All these spirits were talking about the concept that there's one life that comes out of the divine out of God, into all of us. And this is something that Swedenborg asserts, many traditions, there's one life, one love, you know. But they were all saying, how can there be one source of life when everybody's so different, the kinds of thoughts and feelings everyone has, the conversations, the life events, everything is too different for there to really be one source. And Swedenborg said he saw represented, because this is how correspondences work, a gray, unswept room. And there's a very, very specific reason for why it's a gray room, and we're going to get to that in part one. So hopefully that hooked you enough to stay, but before we go in, I want to give a little disclaimer, which is that there's a lot of colors in the world, and we are going to give you a couple meanings of colors here. There are more colors than we're going to cover here, but also there's probably more meaning to each color than we're going to go over. So if you happen to see a meaning for your favorite color that you don't really vibe with, relax, it's probably going to be fine, all right? So we're doing, we're giving you some but you can never, never exhaust the conversation on anything, let alone something as broad as the spiritual meaning of colors. So let's take a look now. I promised you a gray room explanation, and we're going to get it in part one. In a nutshell, if you like nutshells, we're going to be looking here at how color shows how love and wisdom are received. Color is an analog for that. Let me explain once and for all, since I keep talking about it, the gray room. So this is a simple concept physically that I want you to get, which is that you got one light source, let's say in this case it's the sun, shooting out one kind of light. But because of the nature of the things that light goes out to, we can see different colors in all of them right? So you see little bits of that, yeah, populating. You can see everything like this, its own color. It's, and these, these, all these people here, 
and all these animals and fruits, they could all be in the same field next to each other, lit in the same way, but yet they appear differently. And it has to do with, as you know, the nature of color and how it works. And that, my friends, is the key to the gray room. Because the spirits who are discussing how could there be one source of life when we all live so differently, color is a physical example of how that works. Because you're going to have all these things that are being lit by the same light, but because of the way we receive that light, which parts we absorb, which parts we reflect back out, we all look different. We all have these different shades of color. And that can apply, even though that applies to a simple thing on a physical level, like light. However, on a spiritual level, that can apply to even things like concepts and uh, motives. So Swedenborg goes into this in his book, Secrets of Heaven, and we're going to give you this example that has to do with um, with the outflowing of what he calls married love. He also calls it um, conjugal love at times. Now, it is sort of what it sounds like, meaning it is the force that, that causes people to fall in love and stay together and have a, a great romantic life, but there, it's more than that. It's the fundamental... Remember in that diagram we saw these... Um, these uh, red and white lights coming out from God. There's this love and wisdom that fundamentally come out of God, and they are together, and the married love is the impulse in everyone to bring them back together. All right, so it's this existential thing. Check out our episode uh, on the spiritual on spiritual marriage, which gets you more into it. The point is, it's this sort of primary uh, good thing that comes out, and but it can be received in different ways, and we're going to see it here now in Secrets of Heaven 2741. So, Swedenborg writes, Goodness and truth constantly flow into all of us from the Lord, and consequently real marriage love does too, but we receive it in different ways. The way we receive it determines who we are. With the lewd, it turns into lechery. <laughs> With I don't know, do people say lechery anymore? With adulterers, it turns into adultery. Heavenly gladness turns into unclean pleasure. So heaven turns into hell. So you have this impulse to connect, but with some people it comes out in harmful ways, some people it comes out in positive ways. The situation resembles that of sunlight flowing into physical objects, which receive it according to their form. They turn it blue, red, yellow, green, or murky, or even black, and even black, depending on how they take it in. So that, you have the essence of correspondence there, that what is happening on a physical level with colors happens on a spiritual level with spiritual things, including the conjugal or the marriage impulse, right? Does that make sense? We're going to go into it farther, and you may be wondering, okay, I get it, right? So I could see a variety of colors, that's like different sorts of people, but how can specific colors have meaning based on this same principle of looking at the physical world? Well, each color has its meaning based on the minutia of its interactions in terms of physics with the light that comes into it. And Swedenborg, even though the understanding of light in his day was not nearly as refined as we have it now, he's still making this point. This is his Spiritual Experiences 1393. And he says that spiritual qualities are portrayed by colors people know because of the rainbow and other things, and from experience. So he's basically saying that, hey, people have a sense that colors are spiritual just because of how cool they are. And now we're going to take a look at two, the two, two colors, black and white, and actually a negative sense of both. They each have a negative and positive. We're going to start negative here and show you why. To understand, take only the case of the colors black and white. The color black absorbs all rays, scattering them around randomly, without any order, hence comes blackness. Similarly, wickedness, which is portrayed by the color black, absorbs all rays of mental light and spreads them around inordinately until nothing of light or white appears. So the way that for example, this microphone is handling the light that's coming in, you know, except for the shiny part. It's it's taking it, it's not reflecting it back out. That's like sort of an ego-driven life in us. It takes everything that would be of wisdom and just squanders it. However, it's not like the reverse is better. Swedenborg talks about the color white in its negative sense. The color white, however, does not take in rays of light, but reflects them. Similarly, those who are self-righteous, placing righteousness in good deeds, reflect the rays of mental or inward light and do not take them in. A similar principle applies to other colors. So there, it's that you're just, I don't, I don't need any help, I don't need anything, I'm great, I, I do good things, so I'm good. And that's like the, the, the negative side of white. 
right? So it's based on the, how the color comes about in the physical world, and there is a representative of the different ways a human mind can react to the inflow of divine light. Now, listen, before we get people up in arms about me trashing their favorite colors, let's just say there is a positive meaning to all these two. Black and white both have a positive meaning. Let's give you them real quick. Black actually can be a symbol of essential humility, it's in that state we realize our need for the connection to God, you know, the darkness before the creation story. Also, white is not always self-righteous and reflective. There, When it's letting the light shine through, it can actually be a symbol of the genuine understanding of truth and actually uh, can become more and more heavenly. But we got a lot more colors to do, right? So that, that's how you play the game, basically. What does it look like when you look at, like, the colory colors? We're going to take a look at that. Now. Not that we're worried about getting sued, but I've made a disclaimer before, and I'll make it again. We're showing you a few colors and the meanings of just a few of them. You may think about when you go to a paint store, and there's just like swatches everywhere. That's a good like song name, Swatches Everywhere. Anyway, you feel like, how can there be this many colors? And similarly, there are that many colors, and there are that many meanings in color, so we're just giving you a piece of the puzzle. It could be you didn't feel fulfilled all the way by the white and black explanation. There's probably, there's more in those as well. So I just felt like saying that, you know, legal department told me I had to say it. Just kidding. Uh, so, interesting fact about colors. Swedenborg says, in the spiritual world... There are two colors fundamental to everything. He says that it, they are white and red. And he explains this in Apocalypse Revealed 231. Two colors are fundamental to all the rest in the spiritual world. The color white and the color red. The color white takes its origin from the light of the sun in heaven, thus from spiritual light, which is bright white, and the color red takes its origin from the fire of the sun there, thus from celestial light, which is flaming. Because spiritual angels are governed by truths of wisdom from the Lord, they live in that bright white light and are therefore attired in white. And because celestial angels are governed by goods of love from the Lord, they live in that flaming light and are therefore attired in red. These two colors are consequently found in precious stones in heaven, where they exist in great abundance. In contrast, dark colors take their origin from hell, of which there are also two. One is the opposite of white, the kind of darkness that exists with people who have falsified the truths of the word. The other is the opposite of red, the kind of darkness that exists with those who have adulterated the goods of the word. The first kind of darkness is satanic, the latter diabolical. Two kinds of darkness. That was the most surprising thing to me. That, there, that there's a spectrum out from both full-on wisdom to anti-wisdom or falsity, and then full-on love to anti-love or evil. So that's fascinating, but it also this idea that red and white are these fundamental colors in the spiritual world. So what are they? Why are they so fundamental? Well, it has to do with, with their meaning, and Swedenborg describes their meaning as such. Red is the good actions that come from divine love, and white is the true ideas that come from divine wisdom, both of these emanating out from God. And he writes about it in Secrets of Heaven, number nine, ooh, my arm is in the way, nine, four, six, seven. Red symbolizes love with its goodness, and white symbolizes faith with its truth. Red symbolizes love with its goodness because that col the color comes from fire, and fire is love with its goodness. White symbolizes faith with its truth because the color comes from light, and light is faith with its truth. And if you go anywhere in Swedenborg, you're going to notice this pairing, love and wisdom, good and truth. It's all over the place. Oh, hey, I'm back in the countdown. Sorry, I just had an out-of-body experience for a second. What was I? Oh, it's because I was talking about something so sublime, which is this pairing of the two great things in God. And so you have love and wisdom, good and truth, faith and charity. You come across that everywhere. It's the things that the, the, the conjugal or married love is trying to reunite. And so... 
It makes sense there'd be two fundamental colors in the spiritual world from that angle, but it doesn't make sense in terms of colors, because you can't, I could see white, you could say all the colors of light are in white, but red, you can't, you can't, and you can't mix white and red to make all these other colors, so why does he break it down in terms of those two colors? What is he talking about? I don't know, but we did happen to get in touch with a researcher at Temple University who knows Swedenborg and had these fascinating thoughts on just why Swedenborg breaks it down like that. As far as human perception goes, uh, it's very, in some ways, I think it makes sense to, to split light into what our visual perception can receive, which would be white light, the colors of the rainbow, and all of the other parts of the electromagnetic spectrum that our eyes can't normally see, which is mostly in the infrared, um, and then somewhat in the ultraviolet, but that's, um, you know, a lot of what we're used to thinking, you know, what we think of as heat is really thermal um, you know, electromagnetic radiation that's in the infrared. Just like if you look through infrared goggles, you see all of these, you know, the, the sort of the color of heat, the infrared radiation that's really coming off of everything all the time. Um, and so my, I think my, my best guess is that this is what Swedenborg was distinguishing between because visible light, which he says has to do with or, you know, our seeing has to do with our perception and with truth uh, is is distinct from the way we experience. Our eyes don't receive uh, heat. Our skin receives uh, that infrared radiation. We feel that as heat on our skin. And so our reception is through a different organ and we feel that warmth. It's just as we feel love. Love isn't perceived in the same way that truth or... Um, wisdom might be perceived there we receive them through two different organs and so the red and the white is a very um i think a natural conception of how we experience uh two sides of the same coin we experience light through our eyes and we see that as visible or you know in composite when it's all that summed together it's it's white uh the colors of the rainbow and then in the infrared or what we think of as, you know, warm, like red, a fire is warm. And when we look at a fire, the incandescence from a fire is, um, is just the, the edge of the emission spectrum of that, the electromagnetic radiation. Most of it is in the infrared and we're feeling it as heat. And so that redness we associate uh, fairly naturally, I think, with heat that we feel on our skin rather than see with our eyes. That's so cool to think about fire that way. Uh, you know, I knew it before, but just a picture. Uh, you can see this much of it, then you can't see it, but you can feel it. But it's the same thing. I mean, so that's hip. And I totally make sense that, yes, you, from a human perspective, you could break things down into red and white in that way. So hopefully that makes sense and you're not confused because we're about to confuse you now which is that we got to differentiate between the spiritual proceeding and receiving colors. Bink, our title. And that is because we had, we showed you in the previous section, this sun sending out red and white rays. That's like God sending out love and wisdom. But wait, white, didn't that symbolize uh, pride or, um, you know, self-righteousness? Is God sending that out? The red and white that come out of God are always these fundamentals you know, these love and wisdom like we just talked about, the light and the heat of the spiritual world. That's the red and white coming out of God. However, so that's the preceding colors. The receiving colors is what we do with it, the, the colors that we are and we turn. It's how we deal with that reception that holds all the potential of colors in it, okay? So we already had the receiving end of white. We saw the positives and negatives for ourselves. So since we already brought up red, why don't we look at what does red potentially mean on a personal level? Are you with me? Awesome. If not, rewind uh, 25 seconds. Now, we can't just talk about red from where we are. To get a really good perspective on it, we're going to have to enter the red zone. Pretty cool, right? That was very expensive to do. What does Swedenborg say about the personal meaning of the color red? Let's look in Secrets of Heaven 3300, parts 2 and 5. The reason ruddiness or redness symbolizes the good in a life is that everything is good comes of love, and real love is heavenly spiritual fire. 
The word even uses fire as a simile and metaphor for love, and it uses blood the same way. Since both are red, the good that comes of love is symbolized by ruddiness or redness. He goes on to say, almost everything has a negative sense as well. I told you. I told you there was a positive and negative sense. So red does too. When its meaning is negative, it symbolizes the evil that comes of self-love. And again, this is because fire is used as a simile and metaphor for the cravings of self-love. As is blood, this is what red symbolizes in a negative sense. To clarify a little bit this, this good and evil of red, let's take a look at, first of all, red in a negative sense. And we have this emotional reaction automatically to it. The red of a fire... A a scary-looking, damaging fire is this self-centered passion, right? And we, when we want to portray us being really mad, what color do we use for the face? It's red. You have an angry red face, and this is because you've got this self-centered passion, and uh, someone's crossed you, or someone hasn't lived up to it, or or someone has something you want. You get angry, right? So that, I mean, we, we, we intuitively, it's pop culture that that red symbolizes that. However, that same red that's in that angry face, doesn't look menacing at all. It looks inviting when it's a red heart, you know? And fire can be the most amazing thing. It made us uh, able to cook. It heated our houses and let the human race come to where it is now. Red is the good actions fueled by genuine love, mercy, and compassion in its positive sense. So it is that, that fire, that passion. It's just the object is different. On one pole, you've got, all I care about is my own prestige. I'm better than everyone. I want to dominate everyone. That's bad. That's the red that's a burning, destructive fire. Or you've got the same passion, but for those who need help, or for the good, or for the true, or for some way to improve the world. World. It's all passion, but you know, that's the positive and negative sense of red. That's how we play the game. Why wouldn't you want to play another round? Let's go delve into colors and what can they tell us about the human soul? All right, next stop, the orange zone. And the music. I mean, the music is good, man. All right, so the orange zone. Well, okay, I, I made it sound like we're going on this great journey, but actually. Apologies to the orange fans, but Swedenborg says less about orange. It's not that it's not a beautiful color. It's not that it doesn't have meaning in it like every other one. He just doesn't give as much data, as much theological data on it. He he does mention it, but it's more in passing. Uh, he, said, he talks about, for example, there were these charioteers riding through the spiritual world in orange garments, and they were going to seek particular kind of wisdom, but he doesn't mention what the orange means. When he describes heavenly paradises, he often lists oranges as one of the features there, but he doesn't bother to describe to us what oranges mean. So it's something cool. It shows up in heaven. It, angels are wearing clothes of it, so it means something. We just don't know. So if you came here for the orange, uh, listen, we'll give you free tickets to our next event. We're sorry about that. It means something good. Maybe you can discover it through your own journey and, and report back to the rest of us. But I promise we got stuff uh, on the rest of the colors. So there, there's that. Let's, let's dive headfirst into the yellow zone. Now, yellow, we think of as a pretty friendly, pretty benign color. I mean, how could anything like that? I mean, it looks like a baby check. How could it have anything bad about it? But Swedenborg says everything has a negative and a positive correspondence. So let's start, actually, because it's an audacious thing to do. Let's start with the negative. So the negative, don't forget the presence of yellow in death and in decay of living things, right? And how, how disturbing it can be. Swedenborg says, yellow can be a symbol or a correspondence to worldliness or love of the world and wealth, meaning putting that stuff and its gratifications ahead of what is really living, which is love to others. He even describes a particular experience where in True Christianity 507, if the love of the world or of wealth constitutes the head of a spirit, meaning that's the thing that he or she loves above all, he then appears when seen from heaven with a pale cadaverous face and a yellow halo about his head. So you think of halos in a positive sense, but here he's saying with the yellow color, it's a symbol that, uh, you know, there's not that spiritual life, which is the love of other conscious beings, but instead it's the love of wealth. However, 
as we all know, yellow appears in beautiful, touching ways as well. He says, in its positive sense, yellow is grace, or the the gift of an ability to receive and love spiritual truth, like yellow flowers pointing up at the sun, and he describes it this way in Spiritual Experiences 3344. There are also visual auras, and this is in the spiritual world, distinct from those auras pertaining to odor. I experienced a visual aura before I knew what an aura is, namely an aura of grace, like a golden yellow atmosphere reddening when it was one of mercy. And in that aura, I then saw that there was grace when it was also one of mercy. So there's this interplay between the two, but the yellow side represents this grace. So you see the polarity there uh, of this the grace, which is this understanding of God's guidance and everything, and then the opposite is this total shunning of that and just focusing on possessing wealth apart from the the divine plan right so yeah the, there's high drama and there's insight in and not only that but maybe some of the root of why we react to colors in certain ways the way that we do right so why would we ever want to stop here let's get to the rest of the colors and we're going to do that in part three <music> forward, you know, you think about green, which we're going to get, which hint we're going to get to next, in in the sense of of life, right? But there's more to it. And like we said before, there's a plus and a minus. So without further ado, let's hit the green zone. So you don't have to be... uh, really experienced person on this planet to know that green is everywhere and green is the color of life that you experience just about all of plant life is showing green and it appears in other places as well so what would be the negative or what you know trees are good what's the bad side of green well Swedenborg describes it like this he says that green actually can it can be earthly, sense-based science and knowledge, including the literal sense of the word, so religious knowledge as well, without acknowledgement of deeper spiritual and heavenly things. Just like not everything green is helpful, you think about vines which constrict and destroy other plants and kind of use what those plants have done just to get on top of them and steal their sunlight, that kind of thing, poison ivy, etc. That's like somebody who has knowledge, but instead of using it to do good, is using it to cut other people down or to uh, as an end in itself. And he goes on to describe it in Secrets of Heaven 2831. Here he's describing, I said describing twice, the internal sense of a passage from the book of Ezekiel. You'll see an irregular mention of green here. Victims of stabbing in Israel lie amid their idols, around their altars, and under every green tree and under every tangled oak. I mean, if you're trying to set a dramatic scene, wouldn't you say every brown tree or bear tree? Why green tree? Swedenborg says this, the subject here is the worship people cobble together for themselves when they put their faith in themselves and the ideas they dream up out of the facts they know. A tangled oak stands for the facts they use at such a time. So to take all these things in our knowledge which makes us intelligent allows us to navigate the world and to use those to instead of bring something spiritual to life or, or to use to put towards kindness, you use them to puff yourself up and uh, tear other people down. That's the bad side of green. But then again, you don't have to go to a beautiful waterfall to know that green has a good side, but we'll take you there anyway. So in its positive sense, it's earthly science and knowledge, including the literal sense of the word. So the same thing used to support spiritual life and faith. So this is the other side of that coin, and he describes it like this in Secrets of Heaven 5201. In the world of spirits, spiritual things appear in an earthly form. And when heaven's inhabitants talk about instruction and about doctrine from the word, there appear in the world of spirits visual representations of meadows, green with grass and flowers and dotted with flocks. The image varies widely depending on what is being said in heaven about instruction and doctrine. So actually there's an fields appear when you're talking about instruction that's leading to good because it doesn't do any good if you have all the facts in the world but it leads you towards an evil life it'd be better if you didn't have those in the first place right so this is a description of facts leading where they need to so green both sides of green are about the outer layer of knowledge the things we learn from the 
the physical world from, from our senses, which is not to say it's lesser. You have to have an outer. If you didn't have your skin, your body's in trouble. But that's green on both ang- in both sides, both angles, deals with that. And that's uh, that, kids, is, is the meaning of green. So if we're going to talk about the primary experience of being outside, you'd see the green, but you're also going to look up and see a lot of blue. So let's hit the blue zone. I try to stay impartial when we color the, co- cover these things, but man, I do really like blue. So let's see, what does it mean? There's no way, think about blue. There's no way that blue could possibly have a bad meaning, right? I mean, it's awesome. Let's see, what does Swedenborg say? Blue is the arrogance of self-intelligence without heavenly love, loving truth and information for the sake of personal gain. That's the negative sense. And it's like he descri- it's like a roiling ocean that is dangerous to people who are trying to travel it. Swedenborg describes a mind like that with arrogant self-intelligence uh, as a sea, represented as a sea in the spiritual world. He says in Apocalypse Revealed 450, by blue is signified intelligence derived from spiritual love, and in the opposite sense, intelligence derived from the infernal love, which is self-intelligence. So it's both intelligence, and this is a mid-level, it's not like green, the external level, the spiritual love is the middle level, but and the, if it, all that intelligence is used to puff yourself up, it's bad. It's the negative sense of blue. However, there's the positive sense, too. And just think about being out in a beautiful blue sky. The flowers are even blue in this one to give you a little extra immersion experience. But he says that in the positive sense, blue is the heavenly love of truth for the sake of neighborly love. And there's an awesome quote about that that we're going to read here. So he says uh, in... Spiritual experiences slash word explained, 146. Hyacinth is a cerulean color, also called sky blue, or like the sky when it is clear, in which bright clouds appear. So it portrays clarity of the mind devoted to understanding, in which truths are shining. For this reason, hyacinthine color, cerulean sky blue, is greatly loved by the heavenly, as I have also experienced. And if you've ever been outside when there's a blue sky, maybe it's like 68 degrees and it's like brilliant white clouds and there's a breezy, you just get this expansive, excited feeling of like, wow, of course that symbolizes a clear mind focused on what's good. So there's blue, but if you you go, like blue is along a spectrum, when you move to the side of it, you get to purple. And here we begin to talk about an even deeper kind of knowledge than the spiritual that's in blue. So let's hit the purple zone And in the purple zone, purple is a spiritually kind of color. I mean, it's often, particularly in in sort of modern, I don't what do we call it, New Age or something like that. Purple is an important color, but even for an even longer period throughout history, purple has been the color of royalty. And Swedenborg says there's a correspondential reason for that. So he start. We're going to start with a quote of his from Apocalypse Explained, number thirty-one. He says, "Since kings symbolize those who, from the Lord, are in truth from goodness, it was a custom derived from ancient times for kings, when they were crowned, to receive such insignia as symbolizing truths from goodness, such as for the king to be anointed with oil, to wear a crown of gold, to hold a scepter in his right hand, and to be clothed with a purple cloak." So we all know purple is uh, is associated with royalty. And here Swedenborg is saying that comes out of this innate knowledge of what's going on in the spirit. And just like rulers can be good or bad, purple can be positive and negative. Let's take a look first, as we always do, at the negative. Purple, in the bad sense, religious truths used externally from an evil motivation for the sake of dominating others. Religious truths being the knowledge about, you know, God, life after death, the spirit, the deepest things in life that really take a hold of human minds and hearts more than anything else. So it's using religion or this spiritual part of us to dominate, to rule people and to control them. That is really bad, because it has a really intense effect on people. Swedenborg even says in Apocalypse Explained that of fine linen and purple symbolizes truths and goodnesses from a celestial origin that had been profaned. 
Because when these concepts, these higher concepts that are meant to lead people to the truth, are used instead to control as profanation. It's the mixing of the holy with the unholy. Really bad. Don't do it. However, there's plenty of rulers and religious organizations that don't, that, that do things in a good way. So there's the positive sense of purple. Swedenborg says it can represent the, the kind of love and goodness present in the highest heavens, including conjugal or married, as we talked about before, love. And he goes on to say this about it. He says from Secrets of Heaven 9642, and red, violet, or purple symbolizes a heavenly love of goodness. So it's this high, this highest place in us that's either, we're either using that place in other people to control them, which is the evil tyrant, or this purple, the, these highest truths become a ruler in our own minds voluntarily, which leads us into heaven. Because when that stuff is, is highest in your mind, that is the state of heaven. So there you go. You got a rainbow of colors and a rainbow of meanings. And as we promised in the beginning, this th- there's it's good to learn that because it's cool and it's interesting, hopefully, and it can give you insight into this life. But even if you ever find yourself in the spiritual world, and according to Swedenborg, we're all going to get there eventually, this knowledge of colors can actually help people read things in, in landscapes, in gardens. So here we're going to hear a story that Swedenborg tells about one time when he was talking to some people and a garden appeared and they were able to, to look in it for a message. So this is from Conjugal Love or Married Love, number 294. Several days later, I again saw the same seven wives in a rose garden, but in a different one from the one previously. It was a magnificent garden, the like of which I had never seen before. It was laid out almost in a circle, and the roses in it formed a kind of rainbow-like arc. Purple-colored roses or flowers formed its outmost ring, golden yellow ones the next ring in, dark blue ones the ring inside that, and bluish green or bright green the ones in the inmost ring. And enclosed within that rainbow-like rose garden, was a little pool of clear water. Those seven wives, previously called maidens of the spring, were sitting there, and seeing me at my window, they again called me over. Then, when I arrived, they said, Have you ever seen anything more beautiful on earth? Never, I said. So they said, A marvel like this is created by the Lord in an instant, and it represents a new development on earth, for everything created by the Lord represents something. But divine, if you can, what it is. We are guessing that it is the delights of conjugal love. I like that they don't know exactly what it is. They're like, right, what do you think it is, Swedenborg? We think it's this. It's not just like, oh, heaven, you automatically know everything. But, I mean, the headline there is that you can read something in a garden that that is speaking to you, right? That that can communicate information because of the colors in it and the way that they're arranged. And what we're hoping to do here is just show you a little more of how the world can speak to you. Even if we're not in heaven, we can still be looking at these colors. And according to Swedenborg, the system is set up so that we should be able to be, be being taught by them even how it is here. So hopefully we've armed you with a few tools to look at colors in a different way. And so that we don't forget all those tools, let's wrap it up, recap the whole thing. So what we learned today is that the physical phenomenon that we call experiences colors here has a spiritual counterpart. And the variety of colors we can see in objects here, even when they're lit by the same source, reflects how it's the same truth and love that radiate from God, but we all receive them in different ways. We learned that red and white are the primary spiritual colors, and that all colors can have both positive and negative meanings, just as the red of a flame can be warm and inviting, or menacing and terrifying. All the colors have their own roles to play and appear in the spiritual world based on their meanings. They can even convey messages there if you know how to read them. Colors, just like everything else we see and experience in this world, are reaching out to us, showing us secrets about the deeper things in life. And we've done a lot of intellectual stuff this episode. You know, we've been teaching you about colors, we've been telling you facts, we've been giving you definitions, but really, the experience of colors is more of an emotional thing. It's experiential rather than intellectual. So we want to leave you with a a colors meditation. 
We'll give you some flowers, since those flowers are nice, of every color we've gone through, and just see, with this stuff floating around in your mind, if it feels any different, if, if you feel like you're learning anything, if, do they speak to you at all? It'll just be for a minute. But just take it in and, and, and see what comes with this new, uh, new look at colors that we've given you tonight. sequence and that they're they're different but and they provide mutually exclusive services meaning the blue feels a way that nothing else does purple feels a way that nothing else does and each one expands it uh, and and you just get the sense of like yeah they're all contributing to this whole experience which is what heaven is so thanks for hanging out today and uh, and looking at the spiritual side of colors with us that's our show if you enjoyed it consider liking and subscribing. That will help us in YouTube's algorithm. And if you subscribe, you'll get reminded, hopefully, when we have another show and you can come and see it. If you want to be part of the engine that makes this work, since we are a nonprofit, consider joining us on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash off the left eye. It's where you can support us on a regular basis. For just a dollar a week, you can you know, be happy that you know that you're making this possible, but also we'll give you exclusive behind-the-scenes content, you know, just like the, the a little expansion uh, as a thank you from us to you. This week, we had a writer's meeting, so there was a bunch of stuff, believe it or not, that didn't even make it into this show, and there's like two really cool Swedenborg concepts that we didn't have time for here, but we discussed in depth what those were and, and what they meant. So consider dollar a week, that's it. You can try it for one week and then decide you don't like it and stop it and get out of there. But it means the world to us because it means we know we can continue to bring this content to all of you. Thanks to everyone who's signed up and been contributing. means the world. Really, really appreciate it. And now, uh, as promised, we're going to get to your questions. So let's see. Have people had any questions? Doesn't look like it. Just kidding. We always have questions because you guys are a great audience. Let's look at the first one now. This is flip one, two, two, seven, two, thousand. (laughs) So how is knowing the spiritual meaning of colors help us follow God's will? Is it all peripheral? I would say that the more you're seeing spiritual implications in everything, the more you focus on God in the first place. That I find that the more we understand about God by what we see in the world, and more, and for me, the more that, because if you hear, okay, there's God, and God's over here, and God has a will, but then there's the rest of life, and the rest of life doesn't have anything to do with God, it creates a disconnect and, and naturally pulls your mind away. But if I'm looking around and I even see in colors and the way colors are, that this is speaking about the way that God flows in, everything becomes more spiritual to me. So that's one side of it. It's this constant reminder of why. And then on the other side, through the insights we get from colors, we can learn more accurately how to follow God's will. Because the positives and the negatives of each color, the positives are following God's will, and the negatives are moving against it as hard as we can. So the more that we understand those, it's like a little compass for us there. So hopefully that's what you're talking about. Great question. Um, and and in, in my experience, the more that you add to your knowledge of the spiritual reality behind things, the more that heaven can talk to you, because we have these concepts in our mind that they can kind of tap us on the shoulder with and say, hey, you remember what positive blue means? You see this sky here, it's moving you, it's beautiful. Remember, that's that's a clear mind focused on God, and that can get you on track. So th- those are my thoughts on it anyway. Everyone's free to come to their own conclusions about <laughs> whether or not this is a good use of time. All right, let's look at the next one. 
This is from Annie Mae. The Bible and other Christians talk a lot about being deceived by the devil through other beliefs. I believe in my heart of hearts that Swedenborg's work is God-inspired, but a small part of me is afraid to be deceived. Yeah, and that's something that a lot of people have. There's that I've noticed on the internet is this fear, this intense fear of being deceived. And I wonder, like, is that a little bit of that bad purple robe? You know, is that like these these religious institutions? casting this fear in people. And yeah, the funny thing is, Swedenborg was going against a lot of that kind of Christians, and he was saying that that's a deception, that anything that takes you away from love is a deception, because it's saying, hey, here's religion, and it's about fear, and it's about, and it's anything can deceive you or lead you away from it. If if you consider what God is, which God is love for the whole human race. I mean, how could there be? God is infinite love and wisdom. I think everybody who believes in God has a sense of that. Everyone knows that God is omniscient and that God is all loving. The only thing that's leading you away from God is what leads you away from love. You see here, if we were doing this show about Swedenborg and we were saying, like, listen, Swedenborg said you don't have to worry about how, if other people are suffering, just take what you need from them, enrich yourself because God loves you. You know, that if we were telling you things that were the opposite of love, then that's a problem, right? That That is, that's the, that's deception. But if you check it, I can't tell you, hey, you got to follow this, it's true, but check in your own heart, you know, what, is it, is it counter to love or is it pro-love, you know? then that is how, that is your best barometer. Because there's been a, you know, all these, the, a lot of Christians, but there's a million Christian sects because one is talking, one is saying that the other is a deceiver and the other is saying that the other is a deceiver. So how are you going to sort through all that? I mean, somebody's got to be wrong, right? I mean, so what is it, is it leading you towards love? You know, and, and really it's a decision everyone has to make in their own heart. And you got to weigh things and, and, and open your mind to it and just see, you know, uh, and maybe pray about it. But so for my part, I would really say though, the, the flags are love. And, and if, you know, to use that like fear as a tactic, like, okay, watch out. You're going to get into something. It's going to deceive you, right? You do got to watch out for things. But I would say that in general, it's not that precipice that we're about to fall off of. Intention matters. If you are intending to do what's good and you're following something out of, because you think it's right, then that's what matters, you know, that, so see what you can really believe, oh, this is good, and, and then follow that, so I would say keep, keep investigating it, keep poking around in, in our material and other material, and see, like, is it good, does it, does it point towards something good that you, that resonates in what you, in your, on your deepest level, believe God really is, so, okay, those are a few things, hopefully other people in the chat had good, better thoughts than that, too, all right, Thanks so much for the question and for your honesty. Uh, Let's look at the next one. John, in the spiritual world, what is it in us that perceives color? Do we have photoreceptors or is it purely a mental thing? Oh, I like it. Because right here, you can't just see color. You've got to have this very complex machinery. And according to Swedenborg, there is that same level of complexity in the machinery there. He describes a spirit as not being just kind of a, uh, but it's it's, uh, every part analogous to the human body. So we, your spiritual form is a lot like your physical form, even down to the microscopic level. So if it's not exactly the same as photoreceptors here, but made out of spiritual substance, it would be analogous to it. Yes, there would be things like organelles, uh, or I mean, um, cellular tissue, little structures, and within that, little cells and organelles and everything. Swedenborg is, is very big on saying that, yeah, the spiritual world works in terms of order, just like the physical world is. So it's not like you just throw out the need for structure there. Um, so who knows exactly what those are, but they if they're not the same, they're similar uh, to what we have here, but on this correspondential spiritual level. Does that make sense? All right, let's do another one. Uh, this is Kathy. Is the lower earth void of color? Is it just shades of gray? So Swedenborg describes this place that's not hell, but is kind of like in a valley surrounded by hell, where people go when they're having these sort of um, spiritual crises that kind of 
shed everything negative that they need to shed, then they can come back up uh, and and progress. So I don't know. I I, I don't remember. He never says, as far as I can tell, that there's there's no color there. I think that there is. It's not going to be as colorful as you know the heavenly paradises people see. When he describes places that are spiritually desolate, he often describes them like deserts, and there are little like huts made of sticks. And there are so while some deserts are very beautiful and colorful, I think he's probably talking about less colorful things. I don't know. It's a good question, um, but I would imagine there's not as much color and joy. Then again, everyone experiences it differently, just like everyone experiences hell and heaven differently. All right, I think we have one more question. This is from Jan. Why is there a limit to the amount of colors we can see when we are in the physical, but people who have experienced near-death experiences report seeing so many more when they were out of their body? And yeah, that's a good reminder, because Swedenborg, too, says there are colors there that weren't seen, that aren't seen here. So that I don't know what that means. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, is it is it just new variations or is it full on like new colors? I was talking with Jonathan Rose about this earlier today. Who knows, man? Um, but he seems to indicate there are new colors and the reasons for why there are different color palettes here and there have to do with what I was addressing previously about order. For some reason, the physical world lends itself, or the way that we can see colors lends itself to. Uh, the color palette we can see. It could even be that, you know, we can see in the spiritual world the spiritual equivalents of infrared and ultraviolet, and those are these colors. I don't know, but for some reason, the way our eyes are formed here, the way physical light is different from spiritual light, somehow we can only see these colors here. And maybe it's because the mindsets that those colors correspond to, I'm bringing in the stuff from the episode here, the mindsets that those colors correspond to, we can't have those in the physical world that there's an expansion in the spiritual world of what's possible, and with it come this corresponding expansion in colors. I mean, that sounds good, right? Shouldn't that be it? So anyway, let's let's leave it. It sounds good. That's good enough. Let's leave it on that note. Wow, really insightful questions. Uh, thank you so much, everyone, for really thinking about this and digging into it, and I appreciate just having this sort of open, free forum of discussion. So, so thank you so much for being a part of it. The bad news, we're going to be not broadcasting the show next Monday. The good news, the reason we're doing it is we're going to be upgrading our show to make a better experience for you. We hope to have a program that is better in as many ways as we can possibly have it because we value how hard you guys are thinking about this and and we want to continue to give you the best quality experience we possibly can. So we're going to just take a one Monday off. We'll return the Monday after that with a show about the different kinds of spiritual experiences. So I hope you join us then. And remember, yeah, next Monday, no show, and we'll miss you just that much more. And I'll see you in two weeks. Thanks, guys. Swedenborg and Life is Amy Aquarola, Morgan Beard, Curtis Childs, Karen Childs, Matthew Childs, Alexa Cole, John Connolly, Cara Dom, Chris Dunn, Stuart Farmer, Ben Keyes, Reed McArdle, Chelsea Odner, Jonathan Rose, Shiloh Silverman, and Shada Sullivan.